0: That's NOOM.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your own pitching podcast from PitchOS.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the Atlanta Braves in our starting pitching rotation series. We did the Arizona Diamondbacks on January 2nd, and now it is January 3rd, and it's time for Atlanta. Yes, I'm going to go in alphabetical order. Just deal with it. Max Freed, we got to talk about that guy, 248 ERA, 185 innings, 101 whip with a 23% K rate this past year. He's incredibly safe, and that's the thing I really want to emphasize uh, about this season. There are so many good starting pitchers to go for. Max Freed is one of the safer ones out there. Uh, he, he's produced year after year. He did... Uh, this season, without even actually being his, at his peak, if you ask me, curveballs and sliders were not the greatest pitch we've seen. He actually introduced a changeup. that They threw about 14% of the time, a little bit more against uh, against right-handers. It returned a 9.3% hard contact rate, which is so dang low. 173 batting average as well. A um, 46% O-swing. Excellent addition to the Freed repertoire, where his slider and his curveball, they were good, but they weren't something... Exceptional that I really wanted him to do. It's just a 14% swing strike rate on a slider. I wanted that pitch to be like a 20% offering. It was way back when and it never really got back to it. The changeup is a welcome addition. The fastball is still really good at going inside to right handers, has that cut action that Juan Soto has talked about there. He pinpoints it the other way with a little bit of more sinking two-seam two-seam action when arm side. Max Fried is safe, guys. And as I was saying before, when you have those top 20 pitchers. There are some that get people really excited, like Dylan Season, Justin Verlander, and we'll talk about Spencer Strider in a second. All of those guys come with more risk than Max Freed does of just giving you a really good ERA, really good whip. Maybe not the same strikeouts, and I understand that, but it was still about 170-175 last year. And there's no reason in my head that Freed can't push that to be 185-190 this year across 185 innings winning ball club the whole shebang you get it and you lock it in then you can take some better chances pair this with christian javier a couple rounds later as well and there you go you get your strikeouts and you get your incredible ratio floor um i think max reed is someone everyone should be happy um taking their drafts but you might want to take spencer strider 132 innings this year about 131.2 to era 0.99 whip K rate has everybody going crazy, but an 8.5% walk rate. His fastball is a top 5 pitch in the majors in my book. It is just that good. It has a super high strike rate over 68%, which is not what I expected when I saw Strider in spring training. I thought his whole delivery and everything was just too erratic, too violent. However, he's chucking 99 mile per hour fastballs inside the zone, and guys just can't hit it. He also leans up in the zone with it, which allows the slider to miss a ton of bats underneath it. He doesn't really hang that slider up too often, and at a 24% swing strike rate, as he kept it generally down. Um, just a 9.5% hard contact rate on that slider. And I'm saying this like, oh yeah, that was just what Freed's changeup was. Understand that when you see a sub-10% on a hard contact rate, that is insanely good. That is elite of elite. Generally, I get really happy at 15% or lower. Even sub-20%, I'm like, oh, that's really good. Sub-10% is insanely good. 25% is like, oh, that's why I get a little bit worried. Um, the problem to me about strider is twofold. One, I don't think he's as efficient as we want him to be. We see the 8.5% walk rate, and I hope it gets better, but it might not. It might actually get worse, as the slider is about a 61% strike strike rate. So it's just leaning on that fastball and hoping that the slider does enough to prevent too many free passes we've seen some starts where it's like 13 strikeouts in one walk because yeah he just pumps into the zone and it's fine I worry a little bit also about in games where he doesn't go six constantly it's more like five and change and he has showed the ability to go more than six how he pitches Spencer Strider is that you're just generally not going to see deeper into games as often that said, it doesn't prevent his strikeouts. Of course, he had 200 strikeouts in 131.2 innings. That's absolutely unreal. You do not see that. He had more strikeouts than Shane Bieber, and Shane Bieber had 200 innings. Crazy, um, or it was about the same exact amount of strikeouts. But you get the point. All right, <laughs> uh, Spencer Strider is really good. We know this. Um, I'm I'm worried not about that. That as I mentioned in game. But also, the full season. Is he going to be fatigued a little by the end? Is his body going to be able to take it? Generally, we see smaller frames, and I don't mean necessarily the legs. His legs are massive. He's quadzilla and all, but just kind of shorter. And uh, that generally means you aren't able to take the same amount of workload as bigger bodied guys, Um, like your CC Sabathia, for example. And uh, Lance Lins or your um, Alc Manoa, even, right? And I do worry a little bit about that. You have the oblique injury at the end of the year for Spencer Strider. Essentially, we have not seen him go 100 innings yet. Nothing that he can't. 180. And without seeing it, I don't necessarily want to buy it now. Freed is so much safer. I trust he's going to do this a lot more. And if I'm spending on a top 50 pick to get a pitcher, I can't do that to Spencer Strider as much as I love him and believe in the ability. You know, it's going to be one of those picks that people are going to take victory laps on June 1st. But it's not about June 1st. It's about six months. Uh, Charlie Morden, 434 ERA last year, 172 innings, 123 whip and a 28% K rate. Don't forget about that K rate. That was a top 20 mark among all starting pitchers. That could very well return next year. And what's kind of funny to me is that, the, is that the Atlanta rotation is two very similar guys in Charlie Morton and Kyle Wright, where they're both so dependent on a curveball, and everything else is kind of pedestrian. Morton at times does have a really good fastball, can, 95, 96, and he can get him through th- some stuff, but when he makes mistakes on it, it becomes a home run machine. And it also does take some time for Morin to become a good starter. At the beginning of the year this year, he struggled a lot, and it wasn't until June 17th that they locked in and had a 363 ERA and a 110 whip with a 30% K rate. Keep in mind, he did that for 112 innings or so, and he still had a 434 ERA. You can tell how bad it was uh, for those first eight weeks. Ask uh, anyone who rostered Charlie Morin this year, they'll tell you all about it. I do kid. But I do want to mention that in 2021, it took him about six weeks to get going. Then it took him eight weeks in 2022. And maybe it might be a little bit longer in 2023 for more to get, get going. He has said that the fractured leg impacted this. He wasn't trusting his leg pushing off at first. He went to the tape, figured all this out. And then he did that more often and then uh, you know calibrated from there. But yeah, Charlie Martin's going to be old. I don't know if we can believe into longevity even though he has gone about 165 innings in the last four full seasons, excluding uh, 2020's COVID, but there actually was some shoulder stuff in that one with the Rays. Still, Morden has been on the field a whole lot and does have that strikeout rate. He's not a bad pick to make. It depends on where he's going in your drafts. If you're at a point where you have three, four starters that you love and you're just kind of taking some shots now, great. Take Charlie Morden. See how that looks in April. If he's... Looking great, and has has curveball working, and again strike, strikeouts the whole thing. I don't know how to say sentences anymore. Yeah, you just keep rolling with Charlie Morton. That's awesome. However, if Morton isn't doing well, and it's three starts into the season, and you don't feel good about it, don't hold on too long because we've seen that from him for multiple seasons. And at the end of the year, if you held on to Charlie Morton for the full season, it was a four three four ERA, one twenty three WHIP. I understand that if you waited, you would have got him the benefit. You shouldn't have dropped him on June 1st because then June 17th he started doing well. You understand the point, though. You don't know when it will turn around. It's the hardest thing to do. It is the middle of May. Your guy is doing really badly. I'm trying to get you a game plan now so that if you have Charlie Morton and it's not panning out, well, stick to the plan regardless of what the outcome is. Trust the process. And with Kyle Wright, you see a 319 ERA, 116 whip, and 24% K-Rate, around the same amount of innings at 180. I see them very similarly. And I know that's strange considering the massive gap in ERA, and there's a gap in WHIP too, but Kyle Wright has a good curveball and not much else. I am kind of out on Kyle Wright for 2023 because of this. I think his curveball is good, but it does allow too much hard contact, 24% while the other pitches are not enough to help the entire repertoire when that curveball is not there. I, I, I wonder if this was a peak for Kyle Wright. We get really excited about it, but then we see the 116 whip in retrospect and we think, oh yeah, right, we know that he allows a lot of hits. He's more hittable. He only had a 23.6% K rate. That 319 ERA is what's really messing us up. and It should be more like a 3.7. Then you think, wait, if he has a 3.7 ERA and a 116 whip and a 23.6% K rate, Why did I chase this in the top 100 picks? I don't know. (laughs) Now, there's a chance, of course, that Kyle Wright does get better. He did dramatically lower his walk rate from like 14% marks to 7%, and that was a big thing that I didn't expect during this year is that, well, Kyle Wright has massive control issues to work out, but the command is still shifty. It's one pitch that's amazing and one pitch that's really bad. I think there's too much to fix, if you can believe it. Even after this amazing season... It's he's gonna allow more hits. And and I don't really think that's gonna change unless something is new inside of his repertoire, and I don't wanna buy that. So Kyle Wright, I'm kind of out on you. If he's able to if you're able to get him at like the forty fifth starter off the board or something like that, then okay. All right. That's like three, four starters deep, right? My whole strategy, of course, is getting like your Aaron Nola in the fifth round. Somehow I did that in the twelve team mock. Probably you won't be able to do that. But you get your Aaron Nola, then you get your Joe Musgrove. Really, honestly, it's going to be like Joe Musgrove, Alec Manola, same as last year. Uh, And let's see, maybe some Kevin Gosman again. Um, And then I'll hopefully get Christian Javier in that mix, but some combination of three among like the fifth through ninth rounds. And then maybe a fourth of George Kirby around the 10th round or something like that, right? So out of the first 10 rounds, I'm getting six hitters and four pitchers for the most part. Um, and then if Kyle Wright's there in like the 12th, i I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do that. You know, something along those lines. Uh, I, I don't want to include Kyle Wright close to the um, to the Gosman guys or anything like that. I'd rather go with Nestor Cortez, for example, who I think is going to have a reasonable um, microscope on him. But I think there's more in what he does that is believable than what Kyle Wright is doing. The problem now with Atlanta is that you have these four guys, Freed, Strider, Morden and Wright. And theoretically, they could add another starter. I don't think there's a chance that any of those four are mentioned, are displaced. And Atlanta theoretically does have depth right now with Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, Bryce Elder, and Colby Allard. Yes, Colby Allard, he was gone in the trade with Jake Odorizzi. There is a possibility they get a fifth one that is okay so that they plan with Mike Soroka. If he's not ready, they don't want to have to believe in Ian Anderson or Bryce Elder. That, I imagine, is not a bad play for Atlanta, but it's not going to be someone huge. You know, it could be like, is Jordan Lyles out there? I think he is. Like, Jordan Lyles or something like that, right? Now, about those guys, though, if Mike Soroka is starting in the spring, you're going to see his draft stock go way up. If you forgot, in 2019, he had a 174, sorry, a 268 ERA and a .88 whip across about 175 innings. Ooh. Oh, boy, is that lovely. Now, it was a 20% K rate, yes, but the guy was a better version of Cal Hendricks. Um, we also were getting hyped that maybe the slider and changeup would turn more into strikeout pitches, and we would actually would see that strikeout rate turn into 23% or so. Thing is, he had the Achilles injury and then another Achilles injury, essentially resurgery on it. And we haven't seen him. So hopefully we do see Mike Soroka in twenty twenty three. He's a great late of the draft pick because who knows? Uh, if Soroka's starting, then great. If he's not, you let him go. You stick him in the IL spot. You don't worry about it. And don't let Soroka stay there while you need those bench spots early. It's only if you know you have the free IL spot, then great. But Mike Soroka, I'm not going to draft him now, expecting him to be there and back to form. Because remember, it was precision-based, and he's been out for a while, so maybe that feel is gone. As for Ian Anderson, if he's showing up in the spring and looking great, like low walk rates, that might be very interesting. He was really good at hit suppression in 2020 2021. Came back to bite in the badminton way up. His batting average on his fastball went from 219 to 306, and that was really everything. I have not seen Ian Anderson get into a groove of locating changeups. Sometimes it's great, sometimes he bounces it. He bounces it a lot. His four seamer is kind of the same way of just not quite nailing it. Curveball dropped to just a 52% strike rate. All of these are problems. That said, he's 25. Actually, I take that back. He is not even 20, 25 yet. He's turning 25 in May. He's 24 right now. He went to the minors to go and fix some stuff. He also has his offseason to prepare. This is the adversity I talk about with young pitchers. They come up, they do well, and then there's going to be that bump in the road where something is wrong, and I like them after they get past that hump. If they make that adjustment, that shows me that they will make other adjustments in the future as well. Ian Anderson hasn't done it yet, but if he's looking like he might have it in, in spring, in March, and he gets that fifth Rotation spiral releases on the roster out of camp. I would love to take a late pick on Ian Anderson, just kind of see where he's at. It, you can drop him the first week; it's fine. Just is the interesting one to have uh, your hand in his pot is that that's a phrase you want to have your hand in as many pots as possible and one of those might be Ian Anderson as for Bryce Elder and Colby Allard Colby Allard you just don't touch don't don't touch Adralla. he is a worse version of Ryan Yarbrough and Ryan Yarbrough isn't on the raise anymore <laughs> like they released him okay Bryce Elder in some ways is like a discount Cal Hendricks his two-seamer moves massively it's what gets him through games uh, just how much this pitch moves horizontally jams right-handers all the time the problem is that lefties it's a little bit harder to get them out slider can miss bats and it can be actually really nasty at times uh change-up is a work in progress but that those are the two offerings really when it comes against lefties he's trying to do that more than not, uh, more often than not the cutter is uh I don't really think that is something you want to chase Um but Bryce Elder is someone to stream, I think, at times in the season. He might even get the fifth rotation spot. Vini Anderson isn't ready, neither is Soroka. It might be Bryce Elder. It could be Kyle Muller. I think Kyle Muller still has a lot to work on. But hey, we didn't know about Kyle Wright. And then all of a sudden, he just shows up in camp and does well. So keep your eye out on all of those guys. I imagine they will add someone else, and that will likely be the fifth guy. But there's some interesting things at the end of this. If you're looking for sleeper picks... um. Atlanta has some very interesting ones. Bryce Elder, though, is not going to be a big strikeout guy because it's really 2 We're trying to get outs. I know he saw that 10K game against the Marlins, but that's just not real. That's not who he is and who he's going to be regularly. Uh, Yeah, sorry. He did well against the Marlins and Nationals. That's about it. But it's an interesting play in season. I can imagine he can get some quality starts as a stream if Bryce Elder is getting some time. But that's going to do it for Atlanta. We're going to do the Baltimore Orioles tomorrow. Stay tuned for that one. But that's it for this episode of the Plus Pitch Podcast. Thank you all so much for subscribing and getting PL Plus. Um, and check out the uh, the new subscription that's going to be coming at the end of the month. I think a lot of you are going to love it. But that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your habits below and your strikeouts high.